knowing how to make a decision, know how to think to make a decision is everything in life. Within training, teaching decision making is having a target for them, not just one, not just the goal. You know, a lot of people, their target is just a goal. Everything is just a goal, 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 goal. And that's just the one thing they're going to. So then it, it replicates in the game. It's the only thing they think about. Exactly. How can I get to there? Exactly. And then it becomes a straight line, just A to B. Yep. And once you go in a straight line, everybody knows where you're going. There's only two points. Yeah. So you have to have different targets within one activity. So there's a lot of transitioning that's happening. Because if you have a lot of transitioning that's happening, you can start to see the kids who pay attention to what what's the first purpose, what's the second purpose, what's the third purpose. There is an outcome. There is an end result that we are trying to achieve, which is winning the game. But there are processes and systems that we have to go through to reach that end goal. What are the processes and systems that make a successful player? If you add those things together, identity plus the processes equal the outcome. But a lot of times people forget about the process and try to go straight to the outcome. Exactly. And so there's a big gap that we're missing in, in the development of players on an individual level mm-hmm. to where whenever they get into a team setting, they can't make that connection. Quick game of chess on the footy pod. Hello, hello. First person to take a piece wins. <laughs> that's how we play <laughs> Anything that's not a pawn. Anything that's not a pawn? Yeah. Right. Playing it safe over here. It's a tactical battle. Man, I moved the wrong pawns. <laughs> <laughs> Time to attack. Yep. <laughs> Great match. Great match. Good match. Good Chess. Match. Game of decision making. Which is suiting because this podcast is about decision making. Amen. Developing decision making and training. And there's no one that I would rather have on this episode. In fact, I saved this topic for you. I appreciate Bobby. that, brother. I appreciate that, my man. So we're going to dive deep today into decision-making and training and how to develop it okay. in individual setting. Coaches that I actually know personally, definitely you're up there in terms of who has been the biggest influence on the way that I train and coach now. And, and your style of training is very similar to ours. I know that you got a lot of your stuff from when you worked at City Futsal, and you're implementing yes. that now with your... Uh, with the pit and the programs that you're running there. Mm-hmm. But why don't you just kind of explain what your coaching methodology is, what your your philosophy is as a trainer? Well, um, how I uh, come across like just like a curriculum or just like the methodology for the trainings that uh, I put out there for being the director of the Pit Soccer Academy is you want – you want people and players to understand in a in a livelihood like in real life as well as in sports decisions are everything knowing how to make a decision know how to think to make a decision is everything in life so when you try to teach them how to be decision makers there's a lot that goes into it uh one 
just getting them acclimated to the training environment. Like for me, if I always tell the kids, like, look, there's nothing you can do about being late, but you can do something about once you get there. Are you walking in? Are you running in? Mm -hmm. If you're running in, perfect, because you can control that. Um, And then the two biggest things is for me is working hard and paying attention. If you do those two things, your growth can be as high as you want it to be. Um, once, once they get acclimated to those things, then within training, teaching decision-making is having, having a target for them, not just one, not just the goal. You know, a lot of people, their target is just the goal. Everything is just the goal, 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 goal. Once you just have their target as a goal, then everything is just counterattacking. A lot of people just have that target and that's just the one thing they're going to. So then it, it replicates in the game. Like once you get the ball in the game, once you're, once you're playing. It's the only thing they think about. Exactly. How can I get to there? Exactly. Yeah. And then it becomes a straight line, just A to B. Yep. And once you go in a straight line, everybody knows where you're going. There's only two points. Yeah. So you have to have different targets within one activity. So there's a lot of transitioning that's happening. Because if you have a lot of transitioning that's happening, you can start to see the kids who pay attention to what what's the first purpose, what's the second purpose, what's the third purpose. And then you see the ones who get lost, the ones who just kind of relax after the first thing, relax after the second thing, the ones that forget. So then you start to see the players who are attentive to making a decision on what the first thing is, what the second thing is, what the third thing is. And then the ones who just, they accomplish one thing and then they're kind of done, mm-hmm. you know? And so with decision-making, can you have a target where I have to go knock down those cones, then I have to go get this ball, and I have to play offense. But then once I lose the ball, I have to go play defense. So now everything they're doing, they know I have to go do this one thing, and I have to go do it quick, because if I don't do it quick, then I may be the one on defense. And then if I'm the one on defense, perfect. Then I need to figure out the way, where the, what options do they have on the ball, and how can I deny those options? Once that's done, my next thing is I go to offense. Where's, uh, where am I collecting the ball? Where's my defender? How can I attack my defender? You know, and those are just little things that even if we're, say, like this month within my training uh, program, we're doing transitioning. Everything's transitioning. But I give the kids little key points to when you're transitioning to offense, what are you looking for in your 1v1, you know? First thing you got to know is where your defender is because that's, that's just a common denominator in attacking is defense. Once you know that, know your space in between. Do I need to speed up? Do I need to move quick? Or can I slow the game down to now think about the decision I want to make go in, to go into it? You know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And, and what, kind of what I'm hearing from that is, like, there is an outcome. There is an end result that we are trying to achieve, which is, winning the game, putting the ball in the back of the net, right? But there are processes and systems that we have to go through to reach that end goal. And so, you know, a simple equation is obviously our identity first. What is our identity? Who are we? We're a soccer player, so we have to play the game, Mm -hmm. right? What are the processes and the systems that make a successful player? And if you add those things together, identity plus the processes equal the outcome, but a lot of times 
people forget about the process and try to go straight to the outcome. Exactly. And so there's a big gap that we're missing in, in the development of players on an individual level mm-hmm. to where whenever they get into a team setting, um, they can't make that connection. Exactly. It's all about who is the fastest, the strongest, you know, maybe the most skillful. Like they don't have uh, necessarily like a purpose to the skills that they execute, right? But because they have that skill, they can they can turn bad situations into good situations. And so it's those players that stand out, mm-hmm. but never the ones that actually like understand how to play the game. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, I think that that's a big piece right there. And it's like, you know, going back to what I just said, it's like it has to be developed in an individual setting. So like knowing that that is kind of your methodology, your philosophy, which is the same as mine, it's like, then how do we actually develop that in a training session? You can set it up with, you know, the structure of your training, um, the exercises that you run, right? But what kind of like, before we get into that, I would say, what, what does your actual coaching look like to bring out the decision-making in players? Well, I would I would say this, and this is what I was thinking about as you were as you were talking. It's like you you said it you said it earlier when you said it's individuals. Like you you got to develop the individuals, but it's a group game, so you have to develop individuals within a group setting. Um, it's it, it goes like you want that individual to grow, but you have to they have to understand that it's a group game. So the biggest way to kind of explain that, it's like the ball moves faster than anybody else. So now the player has to understand how to move the ball with their team to get to positions to where they can advance forward. So if you break down the game, space times numbers equals time. So once you start to teach the kids – the way I look at it is it's like you, you teach them by subjects, by concepts. It's kind of like school. So if you were doing math, you wouldn't just put out an equation, 3 plus 3 minus 2 divided by 4 And just times figure 10. it out, exactly. solve the problem. Exactly. Yeah. You, you, you break it down. You First, you teach them addition. Then you teach them subtraction. Then you teach them multiplication. Then you teach them division. And then you put the equation together. What was it called? PIMDAS, I think it was. I have no idea. <laughs> like back in the day. And you had no idea. It. And that's like how you solve it. Parentheses, exponents, uh, multiplication, division, uh, addition, subtraction. That's like the way you, you solve it, you know? So it's kind of like in the same format. You know, um, you, you give them a subject and they focus on that subject for like, you could do it however long. Two weeks. I do it a month. Like we're doing transitioning. Um, and then with within those... You, you then break down that session just like you were teaching, just only addition. Mm-hmm. And you focus on all those key points. So if it's, if it's, say, passing, then you break it down. Your individual skill, okay, is passing. So our only focus is passing. You may have something in there with some dribbling in it, but passing is the main thing. And then you can have, like, a little sub-subject, you know, dribbling. So dribbling to pass. 
but your your whole focus for there is my individual skill is passing. So then you put an activity there. Uh, you 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 have a warm up, whatever you want to do with your passing warm up, you know. And there's no there's no defenders or anything. You're just passing, just technique work. Then you add a defender in there. Whatever whatever you're doing, you could do something where you have someone. Uh, two two cones and someone's in between those two cones and you have someone on one side and someone on the other side and you're trying to actively move the ball from back and forth between that person just between those two cones. Then you can have a progression where you have another player on the side so now you have a pivot player to move it to the sides. But ultimately you want to try to play that penetrating pass uh, through that, that one defender. But now that, that individual skill you now have that d- defender there and you're just teaching them how to um, how to actively see your defender and make a decision on does the ball need to go through the penetrating pass or do I need to play the pivot player? Because now with uh, with that subject of passing, something something about it could be the speed of the pass. Mm-hmm. So if you're focusing just on the speed of the pass, we want to get to our target, which is the other person across, which is the penetrating pass. But not all the time can we just go straight there. Yeah. So what do I have to do? Then play by pivot player. Play the pivot player to move the ball to move the to move the defender to now once it gets here now I can play my penetrating pass. Then you can go to your uh, individual tactic, which could be something along the lines of um, uh, fastest way to goal. So now you add a tactical approach where you have something along the lines of a three v three, but two neutrals. Then you have a goal. The attacking team has to swing the ball twice before they go to goal. But so now it goes back to your individual skill of uh, what's it called um, the speed of the pass to where you're having to quickly move the ball so I can get it to my two targets, which are the outside players, which is to swing the ball. But then once I swing the ball, how can, what's my fastest way to goal? How can I fast quickly get to goal? You know, so in those little things like where you break it down like that, kids start to learn, Okay, I have to speed this ball up because these defenders are coming to pressure me right away. So I have to find that opening to the to the opposite side. But at the same time, I I need to find my first purpose, which is get it to the wide player. What's my second purpose? Get it to the other wide player. But if I can't do that, what it, it just goes back to the first activity. If I can't play that penetrating pass, What's my next option? Yeah. Find the next pivot person. Find the next pivot person. Let other people make decisions so you can get it there and get it there. Then once you do that, what's the fastest way to goal? And once you start to understand what's the fastest way to goal, you start to understand numbers. Where are your numbers at? If my number's over here, then that's my fastest way to goal. Go through those numbers so I can get to goal. So I think like the word that you just used right before, purpose, that that's that's what I was looking for, right? And so before we get into like the really technical stuff, which is what you're starting to get into, already breaking down exercises (laughs) and stuff. I'm sure most of the people listening are like, don't even know what you're saying. (laughs) might have to pull the whiteboard out so you can actually show us some of those exercises, and and we'll get back to that. But I want to talk about just more the conceptual part of it first, which is what you just said, having a purpose to the training. So just to kind of like set you up here the way that I do it, is number one, there has to be a training objective. That's what we start with. And I'm talking about in an individual setting. Of course, it applies to team training too. I run my team sessions the exact same way. Um, It is just structured slightly differently. But if I'm talking about an individual session, 
we can accomplish, I think, the same things that you're talking about in a group setting with the coaching. And so, number one, training objective. What is the exact situation that we're training for, right? So, like, whether it be uh, I'm working with the forward, okay, playing with their back-to-goal, finishing with their back-to-goal, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe that's the training objective. So, knowing that right there, I can then look at, okay, what is the specific technique that I need to train to accomplish that training objective to make the player understand the game-related challenge and then be able to successfully um, you know, move through that challenge without necessarily needing my coaching, right? And so then I can look at, okay, what's like the topic? What's going to be the technical focus? Maybe it's my first touch, you know, uh, like, because obviously you need to, if you're playing with your back to goal, you need to have a good first touch to set up the shot. If your back is to the goal, you need to turn with your first touch. So maybe the subtopic from first touch is turning, right? Mm -hmm. So now I can build my whole session around those three concepts right there. The training objective, finishing with back to goal. Main topic, first touch. Subtopic, uh, turning, mm -hmm. right? So now I can build my whole session and, and, and we'll talk about then like how we set up the phases of the session and, 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 you know, like dig into the technical part of that. But I think the one thing that separates like my training, your training versus most other training is there is no purpose, right? Mm -hmm. It's just, you're going out there, you're working on some skills. Yeah. You get better on the ball. Yeah. You get more comfortable and yeah, you look like you're developing but how does that apply to the game yeah and street ballers exactly yeah. exactly and there's a lot of that and it's not bad like it's not like it's hurtful to the player yeah it's just not as helpful as it could be so it, it i'll say this it it hinders their attention span of of understanding a subject mm -hmm. the higher level you go the more con conceptual everything is yes. within what you're doing right and so you have to be able and that's why i said at the very start one of the biggest things i have when a kid's coming in is work ethic and paying attention because you have to pay attention to be under to understand what a concept is what a subject is and what that concept and subject is once you're capable of doing that within this game of soccer you can be the best player in the world because it is a con it's 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 you play the game with your head mm -hmm. like like everything that you do, like the you know the other training types of training that I see, you're sharpening up the tools, right? Mm -hmm. You're getting your feet and your body ready to be able to perform those actions. But if there's not that translation to understand how to perform those actions, mm -hmm. then really it 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 does not serve its purpose, right? And so, like you said, there are phases to the game, and so by breaking it down, like really narrowing down your focus to one objective in the training session and then one focus for the technical aspect of it, you're starting to get them to understand what moment, what situation you are actually training for. And then you just hammer that. You hammer that. You get repetition, repetition, repetition with that specific scenario so that whenever they go out into a team setting, they face that situation, they know how to respond to it. And so 
kind of what I was getting at before is like, how do you coach it? Well, the way that I coach it is everything that I see them do, every movement that I see them make, you know, even in the activation portion of the session, even if it's without the ball, even if it's not even set up, like, like the end of our session will be like kind of, if it's a one-on-one, it'll be like a positional exercise to where I'm working through movements that they'll actually make within the position, the role that they play. Obviously, that's going to be for more advanced players. For younger players, they all play every position anyways. Um, but you're still putting them in situations. And so my coaching is always going – every coaching point that I offer is going to always explain why. Mm-hmm. Why are we doing what we're doing? What situation are we seeing right here? How does the movement you just made – how? How is it successful to this situation? How can it hinder you in this situation? Like explaining the process, painting the picture for them. And like literally, like that's where my brain is at throughout an entire session is how can I relate it back to the game for them? How can I relate it back to the game? How can they actually understand how what we are doing helps them in real life? Mm-hmm. And that's what you said at the very beginning. It's, it's, it's life. Yeah. Like decision making is life. And so I think that everything that we have to do has to then have that, you know, uh, application mm-hmm. to not only the real game, but oftentimes to real life as well, because it translates. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? I mean, for me, um, I with like with where I'm at now, it's more of a training program, so everything is is based off of just growing the players uh, of course when you have a team it's kind of different because then you have your your team tactics as well um, for me I, I try the technical part of everything I will do first 10 minutes 15 minutes of training but it's kind of a free technical flow of of them just seeing the ball moving the ball Maybe I'll give some call-outs, hey, back, and they have to drag it back three times. Right, mm-hmm. quickly turn right, and then put progressions on it. Like, But there's uh, always some information processing in there. So it, at, at times, but at times, sometimes I just kind of let them freely go just because with, with me, it's, it's the decision-making and the, um, the understanding of what you're doing just, just within the uh, – the concept of everything. So the technical part, there'll be times where it's like I'm, I'm micro, I'm microing on, on the technical part. But then there's times where I just kind of let it go because I want them to more understand of thinking of how what you're doing within within an activity. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like, so it's like when when they, I, I don't, I, I don't go into like the micro of hey this move is what you have to do with this situation. You know what I mean? I, I kind of take it to where there's, there's more than one way to do something, but I will give them a hint. Like one of the, one of the things I see the most, I was even watching um, a, a girl play on the U.S. under-20 team that we used to coach uh, back in the day, Jaden Shaw. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm watching their team play Japan. And as I'm watching them play Japan – I just noticed Japan's a better offensive team just because they face forward. And I start noticing like a lot of kids who play 
in our plane, they don't really face forward. And little things like that is just makes you a better better attacker. Because if you face forward, you can see forward. If I face forward, it makes the defender stop. If the defender doesn't stop, then I can quickly move right or left. You know what I mean? But if if I tell them you have to do this specific move in this area, then that's all they're ever going to do. Yeah. I want them to understand, like, you see your defender, you make a decision on what your defender's doing so that now they know I can make this move, I can make this move, I can move the ball there, I can faint here, turn and face forward. You know what I mean? So then, like, anything they, anything they see, they're able to determine it themselves because their brain is different from my brain. So for me, it's just like I'm giving you guidance to understand what is your defender doing there. Just what is your defender doing? Like you said earlier, teach the why. What is your defender doing? So then what can you do? If, if you don't see your defender, you can't make a decision. Right. If I, if I don't look for – like one of the biggest things I tell the kids is look for your option before you get the ball. If you don't look for your option before you get the ball, then you're always taking three touches on the ball yeah. no matter what. And yeah. good defenders will kick the crap out of you yep. every single time. So it's like – Look for your defender, look for your option. And then based off of that, what can you do? If you have numbers up, is it smart for you to dribble? No, move it, move the ball. Yeah. If you have even numbers, is it smart for you to try to push forward? I mean, if there's not space, then don't do it. Move the ball. If you have a one versus one and it's like 30 yards to your right, 30 yards to your left, and your defender's going tight, what can you do? Create your space to face forward. Go at that player. Yeah. You know what I mean? So for me, it's you 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 set up you set up activities and you set up um, you you set up uh, sessions to where it gives them guidance on them making decisions. I don't want to tell them, "Hey, you have to faint here. You have to do this." No, no, no. What is your defender doing? Do you have space? Yes or no? Are they close? Yes or no? So then what can you do if, they're, if, they, if they have space away from you? Should I be going slow in a 1v1? No, speed up, speed up. Put more pe- pressure on that person. If they're coming close quickly, do you need to speed up? No, just if they keep running in, wait, quickly move. Yeah. Or just quickly move, you know? So it's, it's just little things like where I, I try not to tell them, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. I just tell them, these are your topics like you said earlier, these are your subtopics. These are your three key points. Now, what situation are you in and how does that help you? Yeah, and that's all processing information, yes. right? And so it's like like that so to go back to like the 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 topic of this episode is how to develop decision making in training, right? And that's it. There has to be an element of information processing in everything that you do. So, Amen. you know, starting from the beginning, maybe it's just in the activation, working through specific movements where they have to pay attention to their body, right? And they have to do it correctly. And that is processing information. Maybe as they start touching the ball, like you said, sometimes maybe there will be an element of like, you know, um, of, of responding to commands and, mm-hmm. and things like that. But maybe it's just they're just touching the ball and it's specific to the technique that you're going to work on. So they're maximizing the repetition that they're going to get at the beginning of this at the beginning of the session with the technique that that you're focusing on but maybe also they're 
you know, responding to colors, numbers, like, you know, different commands. And that's processing information. Mm -hmm. So if we, if we take it back to like the, the training objective that I set up earlier, okay, first touch turning, the objective would be as a forward finishing with the back to goal. So maybe you start a session, like you want them turning on their first touch and facing the goal. So maybe they're receiving with their back to goal and they have a red and blue cone behind them and you're calling colors and they got to take a specific turn to get out towards that color mm -hmm. to finish. Right. So maybe that's the way that you start it. Now their brain is starting to like become acclimated to like the decisions that they have to make. And then as you work through the session, you know, if um, you have a wall instead of passing to them, maybe they play a pass to themselves off the wall and I'm coming to apply pressure on their left or their right. And they got to determine, okay, where is the defender? Which side is he giving me? Where's the space? Where do I take my touch? Mm -hmm. And how do I get there? So maybe like in the beginning part and the technical part, like we're working through some specific turns and getting them some repetition there. There's no room for you, Levi. Back up. I'm sorry. I love you. I love it's you. Like I haven't seen him so long. <laughs> Um, they're working through some specific turns. And then as you get towards the end where there's actual live pressure or even passive pressure for that matter, then they have to make the decision on what type of turn to take based on the situation that they're facing. So it is taking information. That's something that I tell my players all the time in a, in a team setting is every time the ball moves, you need to look at the ball but then you also must look around you. Mm -hmm. Look at the ball, look around you. Look at the ball every time it moves. Look at the ball, look around you. You're taking information on where you have space, on where the opponents are, on where your teammates are. So when you have that information, when you've processed that information, now you can make decisions. But they have to be exposed to that type of setting mm -hmm. in an individual environment where they're constantly being forced to solve problems to process information so that they then can go out and make effective decisions in real game scenarios. So it's like your training is like, is like kind of the gap between the individual training that I do with footy factory. And then also the team training that I do with the team that I coach, but it's the same concepts. Mm -hmm. It's always like processing information. How are you implementing information? information processing in your training you can say that it's about decision making you can you can you can talk about it and wanting to develop individual uh, intelligent players individually but how are you actually doing it and that's what i was trying to get out of you is like what what does your coaching look like how are you actually putting them in those situations has nothing to do with the drill has nothing to do with the exercises you can run the exact same exercises as somebody else. You can actually give them your exercises and have them run it. Yeah. But that doesn't mean they're going to get the same thing out of the player. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me is what's your, transi what's your transitions within an activity? Like, um, I try to have two to three. And then what's your progressions? And then your key points. Those, those are very, very important to me. Yeah. Yeah, because once you can have those, then they can grow through. Because, like, the transitioning is for awareness. That's, like, for your attentive awareness. Yeah. And then for the progressions, it's for your thinking. It's to help them think more and challenge them 
more for thinking. Mm-hmm. So that's and then the key points is to help them remember what they're doing within their subject. You know what I mean? So though those three things are probably the most important things to me when I'm setting up a session and when I'm uh, actively going through a session with them. I, I want them. I try to see who's remembering remembering their three key points so that they stay engaged within the subject. I try to see who's getting to their purpose quick, the quickest, um, who's getting to their transitions the quickest, because that shows their attentiveness. And then I try to see when I add a progression into the activity, like who's who's still thinking about the first, the first thing they're doing, um, and then now the second progression, who's focusing on the second progression as well. Yeah, because then you start to see. You start to see the kids who, who get it right away, and then they start to do their own thing. And then that's the beauty of it right there is when they yeah. start to do their own thing because then they're comfortable within the organized environment, so now they're free to be themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's literally Leo Messi, Lionel Messi. Him, like him, uh, Luka Modric, uh, Bernardo Silva, like players like those, they're so impactful but people think they just play free and they're, they're street ballers or whatnot. But no, they're so organized within the concept and they understand to the T what it is that they have the freedom to think outside themselves. Yeah. I try to tell kids that all the time. Like, look, the ones who sometimes don't pay attention when they're, when it's about their turn to go. Uh, like one of the most, one of the, one of the, one of the biggest things I always harp on kids nowadays in my training sessions is, um, is dead balls. I always talk about dead balls and, when, when other kids, whenever we have to, I try not to do lines, but whenever we have to do lines, I always tell kids, I'm like, look, this is a dead ball situation right now. Yeah, because you're not kick. involved. Exactly. Yeah. Free kick, um, corner kick, goal kick, uh, kickoff. I tell them all those situations, I guarantee you, when you go to your game or you're watching a game, watch the people when the ball goes out. Watch the people when the ball, when the free kick is, is set up, the goal kick set up. Who's the one paying attention? Because everybody thinks that's it's time to relax. You just kind of relax. And then once the whistle goes or the ball goes in, oh, that's when I got to start to think. Yeah, but now, too late. Yeah, now you're yeah. frantic and you're trying to take in so much information in a short period of time. You know, and I, I tell them all the time, you take the information in once that dead ball's happening, you're in control of the next situation. And that right there can make you, uh, 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 even if you're the worst team in the league, can make you up to the, the second best or not second best, but the middle of the table. If you're middle of the table, that can take you to the top because no matter how good a team is to you, there's always dead ball situations. If you're in control of the next situation from that dead ball, you just changed the morale of the game. You just fractured their morale. You just fractured their tempo. So now they have to rebuild that. So if you play good teams, dead balls, dead balls, dead balls, dead balls, harp on it. Whether it's your dead ball offensively or your dead or their dead ball and you're on defense. Just because it it will make it will fracture the other team's tempo, and so now they have to regain it and regain it, and then they get frustrated. Now you're building into the game, you know what I mean? And with kids in training, I, I try to I try to tell them that all the time when they're if their attention kind of sets kind of veers from it, and they're in the line and we're about to do something, or they just finished and they're going back to set back up. If they're if someone's killing it. I leave them alone. But if, if someone's kind of struggling to, oh, man, I got to do this. Oh, man, this is the next thing I got to do. I tell them, like, look, what are you doing in your dead ball situation? It's like, you're not paying attention, right? I was like, did you see what they did before you? I was like, did you see what that, what that person who's attacking you every time is doing on their attack? I was like, if you're not paying attention to them, then you're, you're always behind. 
I was yeah. like, you're always behind in that situation. I was like, just pay attention. Even when you're out and other people are going, pay attention to other people. Yeah. Because then you'll know exactly how to attack that person. I, I, t- I tell them when, when, player, when human beings, the, the thing about human beings is like we're all the same. Whenever, whenever something gets stressful or whenever something gets like really, really um, like, like high, like was high frequency, like just like a stressful moment, we love to go back to what's comfortable for us. So I always tell them, I'm like, focus and, and focus on people who are training with you because there's always going to be a high pressure moment and see what they do to go comfortable with them because then that will tell you how you, can, how you can mark them, how you can defend them, how I can attack that person. And then you will start to win and you will start to win and then you'll start, start to understand, okay, now I got to pay attention to the person I'm always playing against. So then now I have an advantage over them. You have advantage over that person, you just created more space within that area of you. You create more space, that means your team can play with bigger space. Yep. You, you, you're capable of doing that, you're high-value player now. You know Absolutely. What I mean? And, and that's, that's what separates players at that level who are good players. Mm-hmm. They're playing at a competitive level versus the top ones in their age group or even from their top ones at a youth level to then going to the next level. Yep. Professional, yep. right? It's the mentality. It's yep. like like in a training session, you know, a professional session, it's not everyone's going to be moving all the time. There are going to be times where you have to wait and watch. Mm-hmm. And it's in those moments like how engaged are you? Are are you locked in? Are you are you running the training session in your head? Or are you just standing there not paying attention? Because if that's the case, then whenever it is your turn, you're not going to be ready. Nope. And, and and that's and that's what separates like the you know the best from the rest. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's like the the mental engagement. They're they're making decisions. They're not reacting. Because mm-hmm. you're reacting, you're it's too late if you're reacting. Yeah. So I, I don't even like using the word react. Like I, I try. I've tr- been trying to get away from that word because. That is a negative word when when we're talking about soccer. It's like reacting means I'm waiting for whatever is happening and then performing an action. Mm -hmm. Responding means I've already seen what's happened. I've already taken the information that I need, and I'm performing my action at the right moment. Yep, so you can make a decision. Yep. Because if if it's too late, that's just too much pressure on you, and you're trying to speed everything up. Like The main thing in the game is time. So if if you always give yourself time, you're always in control. Like if you don't give yourself time to even think, if you don't give yourself time, then it's it's just a panic. And then that means that you're gonna. A lot of people they'll send their kids like, oh yeah, we're doing five miles in the morning, we're doing this, we're doing that, but they're always still getting tired within the game. It's like yeah, because they're mentally drained. Yeah. They're just mentally drained because they're not taught to how to slow down and think about what they're doing. Everything is, you're just reacting. You're just reacting to everything. So now everything isn't, you're trying to do so much in a short period of time thinking that where it's stressful on you and you just get exhausted. So if you're able to make decisions, if you're able to uh, think ahead, if you're able to understand your space around you, numbers around you, you understand your time. And, and what's interesting is like, it's, it's, just as mentally draining to actually be a proactive player, but like what you just said, it's when you have to actually 
perform the actions, those are the moments where your brain gets to actually rest for a second because you've already made the decision before you actually do it. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so just going back to the training aspect of it, it's like, you know, I, we just did a podcast on strength and conditioning and why it's important for, you know, like to develop elite level players to take their games to the next level. Like the mental training is just as important, exposing them to those environments because you're building that mental muscle. Mm-hmm. And so now like they're, they're, they're still having to make just as many decisions, but they're doing it ahead of time. So they're actually giving themselves a chance to rest briefly whenever they need to, whenever, yeah. you know, like, like, for example, you know, the ball goes out of play. Okay. They scan, they see everything. They understand how to match up. Now the ball is coming back into play. Before it actually gets put back into play, you have a brief couple of seconds to just, like, reset mm-hmm. because you've already set yourself up. Yep. You get there, then you rest. Exactly. And, and, and that, that's a, that, that was a term that it was in, uh, we learned that in college. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> set up, then rest. Set up, yeah. then rest. Yeah. <laughs> and Bobby was a big communicator as a player, too. I was. I yeah. used it as a weapon. Yeah, I used that as well. That was his biggest strength for yeah. sure. You know, he was he was fit. He could run for miles. Um, wasn't fast. Wasn't fast. <laughs> he developed a little bit more of the technical side yeah. later, but it was just his communication always like gave him an advantage. You get other people to work for you, man. Then yeah. you know everything. Everything else just becomes easier. And yeah, so I just used my voice to just help other people out. That which helped me out because then. It, it just helped it helped me cover more space by communicating. Yeah, if that makes sense, because then I can tell other people, "Hey, move here or move here," because I know where the ball's going to go already. You know, so then like just me communicating, it just helped me. Now I don't have to run with this guy because this guy can't take off because I've told this midfielder to slide to your right, so they can't play that long ball. Right. You know, so it just saved me from trying to defend people who are much bigger than me or much faster than me or just playing against people who were smarter than me i can just have other people help me out you know and communicating goes a long way you know it does Mm -hmm. it does i mean that's another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Obviously, one of the reasons why I was drawn to you initially as a teammate is because I knew that I could learn from you. You were a year older than me. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think you were two years older. I think it was three. No, it was in, two. Cause, you came in 09, right? Right. Yeah, it was two then. Yeah, you're yeah. Right. it was two. But it's like I knew that I could I could take from you. And, mm-hmm. and you know, we had a good friendship off of the field too. But it's, it's like on the field is why I was drawn to you initially. Even, you know, even though maybe you didn't play that much, like I still knew that I could learn from you. Mm-hmm. Because maybe some of the other players that did play a lot didn't offer that same kind of value. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then later on as a coach, like working with you, you know, you're just a sponge. You try to soak up everything that you can and I'm the same way. And I think that that's why we've like built such a strong relationship over the years 
It's because you and I are very similar. We're passionate about what we, what we do. We're convicted in our values. And, and we want to do it the right way. We want to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's, I think, something that we're starting to see more of from coaches, trainers, um, but needs to happen a lot more. And so these conversations need to be heard. Mm-hmm. How do you actually do it? I think for, for both of us, it, it comes naturally. Like I see the moments that I need to coach mm-hmm. exactly in the moment. And like 90% of the time I say the thing that needs to be said in that moment too, to get the response that I need. And for you, it's the same way. Obviously, there's always going to be times where, hey, maybe I could have said something a little bit better, like, you know, like I could have used a better word or I could have communicated a little bit better. For me, I try to ask a lot of questions, too. Yeah. Like asking questions is a big thing. Yeah. And with, with the team that I coach, it's like, you know, they're getting older. Um, they're all like sophomores, juniors in high school. I ask a lot of questions in training and sometimes I look around. They're all just like looking at me like stone faced. I'm Mm -hmm. like, guys, I just asked you a question, like answer the question. You know what I mean? Because even if you don't know the answer, like I know that you're trying to solve the problem. I know that you're trying to process that information. If you do know the answer and you don't say it, how do I know that you're retaining the information? Yeah. So if I ask a question, communicate back to me, that open dialogue is what helps develop the understanding and then on the other side of it, too, if you're a player and you have a question and you don't ask it, that's your fault. Like, yep. you cannot be afraid to ask questions yep. either. Yep. Um, I love that you said that because that is – there's there's two kids that I train, and one of them now, he's becoming, like, top, top player. And when he first came to me, him and his dad came to me, like – he was always saying, you know, he's just so reserved, you know, he's so reserved. And I told him, I was like, you know, with, with human traits, you know, that's a, that's a positive thing that he's reserved because he's so observant then. Like he observes everything. Uh, and the other kid as well, who's a top player, he's the same way, very reserved. But the second player is just so impactful, like so impactful as a player, but he's just, his personality, he's so reserved but I tell his dad, I was like, he's so observant, though. He can observe everything around him, and he's so good at just understanding how to make decisions just by observing everything around him. His thing is just he's at times timid to make a decision. He, he doesn't want to make the mistake, so he, he waits for the game. But towards the end of the game, he destroys it. Mm. And so like you were saying about how you ask questions to the players, that also is something – perfect to do just because it makes players have to hear their own voice and when you hear your own voice you feel more comfortable wherever you're at yeah huge crowd small crowd you hear your own voice you start to feel more confident in yourself within that environment because sometimes sometimes setting an environment for people to grow in you have to be tough and sometimes you have to be the bad guy and so people especially kids they feel timid in that in that area because they don't understand like why is this person so hard every single day why are they so loud every single day but when they start to hear their own voice within that environment they feel comfortable because I they fit know here too. exactly yeah. they know they can hear themselves they know that they can talk ask a question say something 
so that now this person's going to respond. You know, they feel some type of control as well. You know what I mean? Yep. So with those kids, I always tell their parents, I'm like, before training, me and them are just going to have a 10-minute conversation, me and the kid. And I'm not going to say anything. Get him to open up. Exactly. He's yeah. going to tell me all about his day. He has to go in depth with it. Um, and they just have to tell me stuff that they like, stuff that they don't like. It's whatever they want to talk about. But I don't interject. I don't talk about anything else. I just sit there and listen. I like that. And they feel more comfortable. The first kid, he's he's really grown as a person. He laughs a lot. He talks with more people, even if he doesn't know them. Uh, he talks more at, at uh, what's it called, at his own practices. Even in games, I can hear him on the field, and he's not the loudest person. But he's just starting to feel more comfortable of just not only himself, but as a player, too. And that's one thing, like, when you brought up asking questions, I love to always ask questions. Anytime I bring it to the kids, I always ask them the question just to see if they're answering because I yeah. want them to answer. And I tell them the same thing. Like, if I'm, if I'm putting together an activity and you don't understand what's going on, you need to raise your hand and ask the question. I was like, I don't care if you feel uncomfortable about it. I was like, if you do, then when everybody else is leaving, you need to come up and ask me single-handedly. I was like, but you guys need to start to understand what's going on by yourself so that you can be more creative in yourself in the activity. Yeah. And so that's that was a perfect uh, thing that you brought up, though. Absolutely. Just because Absolutely. It's, it's so important because nowadays – you know, we live in a time of less privacy, but more information. Like, everybody has information. You can get information from anywhere. So nowadays, everybody can be their own teacher. So people, kids, it's not like back in the day where it's just like, you have to do this. Like, me as a coach, I told you to do this. You have to do this. They have to feel more comfortable in their own thinking, their, their own brain, their own thinking, and at the same time, their own speech as well. So you you got to give players nowadays that type of control. Yeah. So through there, you know, like you said, information and questions, 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 yeah. so they can answer. And then they can start to ask their own questions. And then once they start to ask their own questions, well, beauty, and the man. thing that I love about <laughs> that man, it's like I have one player on my team who's just like super intelligent, mm -hmm. super intelligent, and I all of my players are very smart because we play a smart game. But, like, there's one player in particular who, like, is just, I mean, when I asked, actually, I had this conversation with my team the other day. I asked them, who's the most intelligent player on the team? And they all said the same person. Who is it? That's what I see if you say. That's for another time. I'm not going to call anybody out on this show, all right? Even if it's for a good thing, okay? We'll keep the privacy intact. But the point is, like, I asked that question. They all knew who it was, right? And then I asked, who's the one that asks the most questions? Mm -hmm. Same player. Same player. He asked so many questions, man. So many questions. Coach, he's, like, playing a game. He's playing the game. He's asking questions while he's playing. Coach, if he goes there, do I match up? Do, does he match up? Like, what, you know, what do I do here? If, if he goes inside, do I go wide? Like, you know, how many, like if it's, you know, an activity, how many touches do we get? Can neutral score? Like he's always asking questions even while he's playing. Sometimes. Do I, do I know him? Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. He's not one of your futsal boys, though. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, I mean, also very smart players. Yeah. And, and so, so the, the, the point that I was getting at is like at this point, I can almost read his mind 
and like know what question he's going to ask before he asks it so I can give him the information right away. And so all that's doing is, is developing understanding. And the other side of it too is there have been many cases where specifically last year, where it was my first year with the group, I'm still trying to figure out what my actual like game model is going to be for the players that I have. Mm-hmm. The philosophy is always going to be the same, the way that mm-hmm. we want to play, but what is the model? Like, how are we going to organize? And that was something that I was still, as the season went on, trying to figure out. Every game, like, we almost, like, I had to play a lot of chess. Mm-hmm. Like, we started. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I was playing a lot of chess and adjusting to opponents to give us the best chance to be successful because we weren't quite ready yet with the, the model that we were developing. And so... Last year, it was a lot of questions where, like, it's not that I didn't know the answer to give him right away, but it made me just think about it a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. And so now, by him asking me a question, it's actually forcing us all to develop and grow because we all have to take another step forward with the way that we perceive this particular situation. Mm -hmm. So that's a big part of, like asking questions too it's like not that you're trying to question your coach yeah. or or anything like that but it's like you know just making sure that you understand and that you're on the same page as building your coach. a bridge exactly yeah exactly mm-hmm. like i think a lot of times coaches are so like you know egotistical mm-hmm. for lack of a better word where it's like you can't ask them questions yeah and and if you ask them a question and they don't know the answer, they'll make something up yeah. just to sound smart. Yeah. And they're almost afraid of being wrong. Yeah. Whereas, like, true teachers and learners, like, want to be challenged in that way. Exactly. Because it's going to expand their thinking and, and force them to communicate more effectively what their ideas are. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, I think that that kind of like ties a bow on like the conceptual part of how to develop decision making and training. Mm-hmm. But then now let's go back to like what you were trying to get at at the very beginning, which is, you know, structurally, how does that look? How do you set up your session? What phases do you work through in a session? Even what kind of activities are you using? Like as an example, um, how do you develop that decision making? Because your whole methodology is based on that. Mm hmm. Um, you want to get the board out? Woo. Uh, I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do. Uh, I mean, we got some time. We can see, we can see, uh, we can do a little bit. Getting real technical now, guys. Yeah. So it's like when it comes to breaking down sessions, um, you try to, I try to have course your warm-up technical part and then you have your you could have two more uh two more phases i guess within it so you can either i either go with it's your individual technique and then individual tactic and then of course with me what changes is there a third phase to it but i don't necessarily have that now within my academy just because i don't have a team Mm-hmm. And then it's your team tactic, you know. 
but then you know you can have your um, also break it down as the skill of the game. Oh, sorry, your warm up, your technique, your skill of the game, and then of course your uh, what's it called? Your phase of the game, mm-hmm. which is now you're getting into a live action game, but uh, there's still transitions to it and progressions to it as well. My trainings that I do, I always want everything to go quickly. Everything's moving at a fast pace, fast pace, fast pace, everything they're doing. So first thing they're doing, tag. And I want them to play tag within the box because even for the older kids, it just teaches you the agility of how to, how to move, how to move, how to get away. It could be used for um, understanding how to lose your defender, understanding how to create space on the ball, off the ball. Tag is, is, is like the same movements you would make within a game if you're trying to move the ball, if you're defending, you know. So with me, I do like a minute game of tag. But I tell everybody they have to be moving. Everybody's proactive. Defenders, you're quickly going after people. Mm-hmm. Quick, 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 quick. The attackers, you're not just running in a straight line. It's changing, changing your direction. Mm-hmm. You have to change your direction to understand how to create space. So then it teaches them the agility of their movements, you know. Um, but at the same time, they're not just going through ladders and just doing it. They're having fun doing it, so they're making decisions by themselves how to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not me telling them, hey, you have to move like this. You decide how you want to change your direction, but make sure you see your defender and you see where you're running before you just change your direction. So already right there, you're developing the mechanics and the coordination mm-hmm. that you're going to use when they start touching the ball, but it's just training their body to understand those movements exactly but you're already putting it in a game like setting from the beginning Mm -hmm. exactly and they have to move at a quick pace every single thing that we do within our sessions is a a quick pace movement quick pace movement quick pace movement so they have to think quicker as well so then once they do that you know there's two two different things we could do with, with them it would be i have say Yellow bib, blue bib, pink, green. And then there's me and then all the little ones. And I'm the ball master. So usually with the little ones, I say I'm like, uh, they're the minions and I'm the despicable (laughs) me. And I'm moving. And as I'm moving, they have to dribble. And the main thing within this activity, it's not just how they can just follow me it's how well they keep the ball close they have to keep the ball close harp that all the time keep the ball close keep the ball close keep the ball close if you hit it too far step on top of the ball if i stop step on top of the ball i call out a color they have to go to yellow now they have to dribble with speed but focus on keeping the ball close once they get that color step on it then come find me and that's just their technical warm-up that's just them technically with the ball. See how well they can move in and out with the ball. I don't tell them how to move. They freely move the way they want to move with the ball. I don't care how they dribble the ball. But the, the uh, three things they have to understand is they have to keep the ball close. If they take a huge touch, they need to step on the ball because they need to learn how to control it if it gets away from them. And the last thing is when I call it one of those colors, they have to dribble with speed but they have to keep it close to them no matter what. So you want them to change their speed. Exactly. So, um, so there, now you're introducing the concept of in a 1v1 situation, like you approach the defender at a certain pace, 
you do your move, your body faint, whatever it is, you create the space, you got to change your speed to get past exactly. them. Exactly. Or if you're in front of somebody, you know now how to dribble to get away from them with speed. Right. So then now, with everything they do there, that's just them controlling the ball, them understanding the ball. It's kind of um, there's their introduction to the what skill they're using, which is dribbling. They're going to be dribbling. So everything they're doing, no defender. Just a technical work, just them understanding the ball. Then now, we could go back to the box, and it's just like tag. So now we, we play a game just like tag, but now they have a ball. So now, if I circle it, that means they have a ball in their hand. So before you get into this one, though, okay, because I know where you're going with this, all right, but even before in that technical warm-up that you just introduced – there's still pressure, right? Mm -hmm. it, even though there's no actual defender, there's still pressure because there's players around them. There are decisions that they have to make. There's pr information that they have to process. So that is pressure. That is simulating the game. And now it's activating their mind and their bodies for the next phase, which you're about to introduce. Exactly. Because even when with that first activity, which you were talking about, they, they still have to understand their space around them. Mm -hmm. And I always tell them, I'm like, you got to act like other people are, are, uh, are cars. I was like, when your parents tell you uh, you're – and I, I stole this from another coach that I used to work with. He used, hey, it he used this all the time, and I, I, love, the, I love the analogy. He said, it, when, you're, when you're crossing the street, your parents always tell you to look for what? And they always say cars. So I'm like, so you got to act like other people are cars. Before mm -hmm. you dribble, you have to look to see if I'm about to run into somebody. Yeah. So now when they're wanting to quickly get to me – are you forcing everything and running into people and knocking your ball off? Yeah. Or are you actively looking for somebody and then you'll step on the ball? Because then you'll start to see the kids control it and then they'll start to move. And then everyone yeah. needs to control it and then they'll start to move yeah. themselves. And then they'll start to find their own space, which is perfect because then they're starting to think about space. Mm -hmm. you know. So then now, once you get into this game, now it's just like tag. Circle it. People have ball in their hands. Everybody else has a ball at their feet. And I let them know, you have to stay within the box. You're responsible for your ball. Just like the activity before, you need to understand how to keep your ball close. If you do hit it too far, get to it quickly. Don't let it go out of bounds. Step on your ball. Um, but now what we've added, not only do you look for other people, but I need to look for my defenders before I dribble. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing I add is changing your direction because that's how you create space. If I want... If, say, I receive the ball and I'm facing the line, there's a defender on me, but I want to face him, then I'm looking to change my direction quickly so that I can face him. I'm looking to change my direction. If I can't find a pass but I'm, and I'm stuck, I need to change my direction so I create space off that defender so I can find a pass, so I can find my dribble, so I can find my shot. Because if I'm not dribbling to goal, then, I, then my only reason to be dribbling should be to be creating space. I shouldn't be dribbling just to dribble. And that's what some people who dribble a lot don't understand. Mm -hmm. If you're not dribbling towards goal, which is your main purpose of the game. got to be a purpose. Exactly. That word. you got to create your space. That, then you should be dribbling to create space to find your next opportunity to go to goal. Whether it's a pass, whether it's your dribble again, whether it's a shot. You need to be dribbling to create space or going to goal. So now, with these players with the ball in their hand, they're looking to try to tag their ball. They can toss it. They can keep it in their hand and try to tag them. Um, but these players, they're looking to get away. 
keep it close, get away, keep it close, get away, keep it close, get away. And they're looking to do the same things. Um, if, if, if they're getting close to you, dribble with speed. If they're constantly following you, stop going in one line, change your direction. And it goes back to tag, same exact thing. Mm -hmm. Change your direction to create your space. So now they're trying to do it with the ball. And I always let them know, hey, bottom of your foot's the easiest way to change your direction. Yeah. Easiest way to change your direction. You can go any direction with the same touch. Exactly. Yeah. So then once they start to get it, I add a progression onto it. And the progression onto it is, it's nothing new. They're still doing the same, but I want to see if they can try something new with it. So now it's every time you pass your defender, face forward. Face your defender. You pass him, face him. Before you dribble, step on the ball, face your defender. So that they always start to get to, in the habit of facing their player, facing their player, and feel comfortable facing their player. So then now, if they don't do it, then I add it to the defenders. Hey, if you put your ball on their back for more than four seconds, then they have to become the, the mm. tagger. So now – That's it, a good layer. Yeah, it yeah. makes them have to not only face them, but now I have to change my direction and create space yeah, to yeah. face them. Because if know. you turn and face them from that position, they're going to tag your ball. Exactly. Yeah. So I need to learn now how to create my space to now turn and face them. And it's not just turn turn with the ball and face them, because a lot of people will turn and face them, but then their ball is still rolling towards the defender. Right. Step on your ball, because it will stop. Then you can face them. Yeah. So then after they play that for a while, they're done. And then we get into an activity where now they – now this is the real, real decision-making of the activity with all those fine points. Uh, dribbling with speed, keeping the ball close. Uh, changing your direction to create space. Uh, facing your defender. Um, there's one. I think I'm missing one. No, nah, that's pretty much it, I think. But then now the main purpose of it, your decision-making. I have to look at my defender and make a decision on which is the best goal to go to. So I can put a goal over here and a goal over here. Then I have defenders. So now if you have, if I have a group that's particularly pretty bright, I'll let them know the defenders, your main focus is your dribbling with speed and keeping it close. You know, if I don't, then I don't, I don't stress that on them. But now I want them to, to focus here on the defensive part, dribbling with speed, getting to the box, so that once they're in their attacking phase, their dribbling with speed is much better and keeping the ball close. So now once they get here, boom, dribble with speed, get here, play your pass to the attacker. Once you play your pass, defender, quickly go pressure the ball so that now they have pressure on right away. And then now the attacker gets to make a decision. Go to this goal or go to that goal. The only rule for the attacker, they have to make it outside the box to shoot. Mm. That's the only rule. So now... You have to actually create the separation from the defender. Exactly. So now you start to see what kids do. They pass it. Some of them will just go right away. Just go. Just try to take off. The defender yeah. chases them. And then they just try to quickly go score. The other kids, some other kids, they'll step on the ball. And then they'll just wait for the defender to get all the way here. And then they, now they're trying to make a decision on where to go. You know. And then some of the smarter ones, they figure it out right away. Step on the ball. Look at my defender. Now I can go. If he goes, change your direction, mm -hmm. and you go the other way. So now you start to actively see who's paying attention to the defender. Not just paying attention to the ball when you get the goal, but who's paying attention to the defender, who's the common denominator in attacking. Right. Because now you start to see 
oh, man, this person's going. They see the defenders taking off that goal, so they change the direction and go. And then they look. They see the defenders catching up to them. They change the direction and go the other way. So then now they're, they're looking for the defender. They're, and they, once you see them change the direction, you give them another hint. Hey, dribble with speed. So now they know what to do when they dribble with speed because of right here, they're dribbling with speed and keeping it close. So now yeah. they got that same action. Once they get out, they shoot. Yeah. Then now as you go on, you go to a new progression with it. And you make it tougher for them. So now you turn your goals around. Now, once you turn your goals around, you ask them, hey, is it, is it going to be easier to get the goal or harder? And they say harder. So now you, you try to actively get them to th start to think more rather than just work hard. At this point, everybody's working hard. Everybody's trying to change their direction and do everything to work hard. So now I harp on it more of reading your defender. So now once you go, there's, there's, there's two key points I give to this last progression. Once they go, they play the pass. The defender's there. I read my defender. I go. That person goes. They keep changing the direction. And you start to notice they're changing the direction, changing the direction, changing the direction. They're constantly doing it now because it's tougher to get the goal. Right. And it gives the defender time. So now I tell them, step on your ball and face your player. Whenever I can step and face somebody, a defender, you put a defender like on a line once you do that. Uh -huh. And so now there's only three things a defender can do. Stay, drop, or attack you. If he stays, perfect. I did my job. Now it gives me time to read. I can quickly go or fake, and then I can go. Mm -hmm. It's that moment of pause. Exactly. Because yeah. I want the defender to pause. That's yeah. my main thing is I want him to pause. But then now if he quickly goes at you, then you go quick. But then now what, what I tell him, whatever you decide, you see your defender, your next touch now needs to be to the goal. Mm-hmm. A lot of people just take it straight down the line. Gives them space to get in between you. You right. go to the goal, you cut off that defender, now they have to go around the goal, around you. Yeah. It's just like to a live goal. If I dribble to the goal all the time, the defender, I'll cut that defender off. If I dribble down the line, now the defender's capable of cutting me off. Mm -hmm. And now I have less space, a more narrow space. I dribble to the goal and cut you off, even if somebody else comes or you recover, I still have more space to dribble back to the outside. You know what I mean? So now, with them, with them facing the defender, you start to see the kids make a decision. And if they just hold the ball too long, all I say is make, make a quick decision. Make a quick decision. And then you start to see them. They'll fake, and then they'll go. Start to dribble yeah. to the goal. They'll step, then quickly go. You know, And then you'll start to see them just become the, in their own and be creative. Some kids will flick the ball. Some kids will... Uh, try to do a step over and go. But now they're starting to understand how to attack better. So now you went, you get into a live game uh, after this, play like a two versus one or a number game counting up, one, uh, one versus goalkeeper, one versus one, two versus one, two versus two, whatever. You start to see the kids actually slow the game down and yeah. make a decision. Rather than just bullet to goal, they see the defender, they step on the ball, they face him, they look for the decision. If the decision isn't on, dribble again. You know, so. Yeah, no, that, that's that's really good, man. And, and I've seen you run a couple of those exercises. And, you know, for those that are listening or watching, hopefully that gives you some ideas on how you can structure your training. Um, but you can see how each progression builds on the last. And what I love about, like, how you explained everything is not only did you already have the progressions 
thought out, but you had them thought out because you knew what your coaching points were going to be. You had your coaching points already thought out because you knew where the players might struggle or, or fail, mm-hmm. right? And so it's that expected failure that helps us build our coaching points and build progressions to an exercise. Mm-hmm. And if you're continuing to add layers on and add layers on and add layers on through the session, then by the end of it, now they see the game and now they can actually like go out and solve the problems on their own without necessarily needing the micromanaging of the coaching. And that's the way that we structure our training too. Like if I was doing a, a group, it would look like your, your sessions in an individual setting. Like I'm usually working in, which is, you know, one or two players, maybe a small group of three to six the way that I'll set it up is, you know, our four phases are first is activation activity. Mm -hmm. And with that, it's usually without the ball. So it's how am I progressing the player from resting status to training intensity, but also mimicking, simulating the exact movements that they're going to make specific to the topic of the session. Mm -hmm. So going back to, you know, the, the training objective we had before with the forward finishing with their back to goal, maybe it's like, you know, um, like, just without the ball, working on rotating their hips, changing directions, like certain movements that are going to exactly like translate to whatever they're going to do with the ball now. And then in the technical warm-up, which would be the next phase, is just getting lots of touches. And maybe you add some information processing in it. Maybe you add some in the activation activity, depending on the level of the player. But really, you want them to see a lot of success right there Mm -hmm. and not have to struggle too much, but just get good, valuable repetition. And, 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 And so it's specific to whatever we're working on. Then the next phase would be the phase of the game, which, you know, that's actually something that I got from you Mm -hmm. in terms of like what you would actually title that portion of the session. But it starts to introduce a specific scenario, a specific situation in the game. And now it's not live pressure, but there's pressure. And, and, And so now it's like we're introducing the game related challenge. We're introducing pressure to the situation. So there might still be some coaching required to to get them to understand the challenge and get them to solve the problems. But then once you get to that last phase, restricted game, you know, maybe if for, for us, if it's a private session, it's going to be like a positional play type of activity. But there might be some pressure for me or maybe it's still just responding to colors and numbers and and, and different commands. But yeah. now it's like you're putting it all together and yeah. they should be able to solve the problem on their own. And if you can get to that point at the end of a session and you know exactly what it is you're looking for, what success looks like based on the training objective that you established at the very beginning, Yeah, you're developing decision-making in your players. Yeah. You can even have him, the starting point for the phase of the game just be that. Players receiving it. Or, you know, you have like a two versus two and they have to play it into the forward. And then that's the starting point to the game. And then it goes into a live game. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you play two minutes or something like that and you start it over again. Yeah. Just hit that starting point again. So, but yeah, no, I I completely agree, man. It's just like having a picture. What, what is the picture that you want to paint for them? Mm -hmm. And what does success look like? And then reverse engineering that and breaking it down into its parts. Mm-hmm. So from the beginning, you're starting with the foundation of like, 
you know, just the mechanics of the body movements. And then it's with the ball, the technical side of it. And then it's actually like putting it into live action. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that like, that's such an important way to train players. Yeah. If we want to start to close the gap on an international level. Yes. Um, because right now you see like players in, in our national team and it's starting to change a little bit. That's but a, that, that's a that's a whole it's a whole podcast. other it's a whole yeah. other podcast. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not gonna get too deep into this, yeah, but we'll even like the hour. U20 World Cup, like you talked about. Yeah, I didn't watch the game, so I can't really speak on it too well. But like, I know there's some like Jaden Shaw, like great player, yeah. right? And I know she understands how to play the game. Mm-hmm. But do the rest of the team like yeah. do they know how to make decisions? Mm-hmm. Like I, maybe I, they're fast and strong, and maybe some of them are very technical, but. Are they making the right decisions? After watching them play, it just, to me, and it's not a negative thing, because I think the coach did some great changes the last game. Um, I just felt like they hadn't been together too long. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, feel like, I felt like the team, the Netherlands team they played and the Japan team they played had been together longer than those girls have. Mm-hmm. Because some of the changes she made for the last game uh, and where she put players – and like how they kind of started off, I, I felt like they did a lot better than any other game. And it, they looked more fluid as a team than any other game. But it was just kind of too late. You yeah. Know, they hadn't, they didn't, hadn't had that chemistry or cohesion together. So it was just kind of like, you know, they, they were trying and they were, they were busting their butts. But it just looked like the other team had a, a better concept. Because it, it's so much more than just trying hard. Yeah. And like, and and having the physical tools, having the technical tools, like the game is so much deeper than that. Like you have to understand it on a cognitive level mm-hmm. to be successful at that level. Yeah. And if if we really want to make an impact on this next generation of players, I mean, like the the technical ability of some younger players these days are unreal, <laughs> yes. unreal, unreal. Like. They were not doing that 10 years ago, crazy, 20 man. years ago when, when we were that age. It is man, crazy. 20 years ago. Wow, that's, that's crazy I to know, think man. about. We were, it really was 20 years ago I that know, we were like at the youth level. It's crazy. But it's like it's, that's not enough. That's yeah. not enough. And so like technical trainers, even team coaches that are able to incorporate technical training into their sessions, how are you developing decision-making? Yeah. That's on you to figure out. This is episode 34. My guy right here, Bobby Andrage. Appreciate it, brother. The best. Always a player. Yep. Always the a best. And uh, this was your second time on the show, actually. You're, you're the first returning guest. Really? How does that feel? Feels pretty good. What was on the first time? Early on. Oh, uh, it was Early like years. On. Yep. Okay. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we, we recorded on my iPad. Terrible, yeah, terrible audio quality. I remember that. We were getting some interruptions from a <laughs> janitor in the background, and we had to, we had to move to your lobby? apartment, yeah. and we ended up recording in a closet. <laughs> we both sat in a closet just looking at each other. I remember that, man. Good times, that, good yeah. times, good times. And then your dog wouldn't shut up. Yeah, she's <laughs> a loud one. <laughs> well, we'll definitely have to have you on again. Always good good chats yeah. when you're on. Hey, so. Maybe next one we could do just – Talk about teams, World Cup, and just soccer, and just all. We soccer. have done a little bit of that. Me and Evan did some Champions League reviews, which was fun. Okay, but uh, man, I don't have enough time to watch games as much anymore. I need yeah. to. I need to spend more time doing that so I can have some educated discussions with yeah. you, and I'm not just like 
letting you it. talk the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I honestly, man, a lot of times I watch games is if I can't sleep late at night. Just go watch game. some old games. Yeah, that, that's, I'll just put on a game, man. Yeah. And then I'll just watch it, and then by then, pass out. Yeah. the end of it. You know? Well, there's a lot we could talk about, because, oh, I mean, yeah. the way that you see the game is like no one else that I know personally. Mm-hmm. Like, you're able to break down the game on a on a different level, and that's, you know, one of the things that I've been influenced by the most by Appreciate you. It, and brother. so, you know, like I said at the beginning, like – one of my best friends, one of the uh, best yeah. people that I I know, and so it's like we're gonna keep this relationship going forever, and Damn gonna right. keep learning off of each other, and keep inspiring each other to to be the best that we can be, whether we're working together or not. But mm-hmm. I do imagine that someday we will actually actually work together because we've never actually done it that. It is, man. We've always been on, we've always done the same thing, but just on two different paths. Yeah, and I think the way you've grown Footy Factory and like decisions you've made to move it forward has been fantastic, especially in the last was it year, year and a yeah. half, two years, man. I'm Adapting so happy after for COVID you. And yeah, whatnot, like, yeah. I think you you do well building your brand. I think you do well marketing your brand. Like you're an awesome marketer, man. You do really really well. Like look, there's a lot of people that have marketing teams <laughs> that you're miles better than, man. Appreciate and that. Man. You do so well with what you do, and just keep going, man. You never know, man. One day we might be working together one again. One day, one day, <laughs> maybe coaching existence. together. Yeah, yep. maybe coaching together. You never know. For sure, so, man. Well, again, I this was it, episode brother. 34: How to Develop Decision Making in Your Training. If you liked it, please share and subscribe and do all those things. Uh, do it. Just do it. Right now. Just do it. Go. Deuces.